You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, does not count tshuva as a mitzvah. We're all, in the, here we are in the Yemei Elul, ready, hopefully doing tshuva every single day. The Rambam counts the mitzvah vidui as, uh, as a mitzvah, but he doesn't count tshuva as a mitzvah. So uh, Rav Gorin uh, wanted to explain why this was the case. And he, as an eight, he must have been a teenager when he discussed it with Rav Kook. So that's how Rav Kook died in 1935. Gore, Rav Gorin was born in 1918. So he speaks here about a conversation he had with Rav Kook. And I'm assuming that he couldn't have been older than 17 and he was probably younger. This was Rav Gorin's answer. Why didn't the Rambam count tshuva? So he says, you have to understand, the Rambam had a book called Sefer Mitzvot. He does not count mitzvot that, are, that don't exist in a separate, separately from another mitzvah. If you have a mitzvah like tshuva, which really is connected to every single mitzvah and every lotah, say, of the Torah, and it's really an aspect of all of them, and it's connected to them. Or you have a mitzvah, let's say, that this is the way to get to all the mitzvahs. And it doesn't have its own independent yehud. Ein lo yehud atzma'i. Ba'al etakein acherot. So that's the reason why tshuva is not counted as a separate mitzvah. Because it isn't separate, it's there to give a direction, a derech, how to fix all the mitzvahs you didn't do, all the averot that you've done to bring a person back with derech in terms of keeping all the mitzvahs. So this was the Chiddush Rav Gorin said to explain why the Rambam doesn't count shuvah as a mitzvah. I'm not sure, no, honestly, vidui, he does count as a mitzvah, but tshuva, the idea of changing yourself and, and, and now fulfilling all the mitzvot, it's not a mitzvah, a separate mitzvah. It, it, it's the way to restore yourself and it's the way to, to actually start doing all the mitzvahs properly. That's more or less Rav Goren said. He said, when I said this over to Rav Kook, Rav Kook says, Based on what you're saying, I was thinking, and of course, Rav Cook was very kind. He said, "I want to explain another pella on the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvahs. Why the Rambam leaves out the mitzvah of Kibush Eretz Yisrael? Now, the Rambam does say there's a mitzvah, as we know, of getting rid of the Shiva Amim and 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 eliminating a Vodazara from Eretz Yisrael. But for in the present time." For sure not for an individual, but even for if a tzibor has the power to go and conquer and take Eretz Yisrael, the Rambam does not count that in his Sefer mitzvos. And of course the Ramban, as we've talked about in other shiurim, the Ramban proves from a number of places, from the Torah, from the Psukim, Chazal, that the mitzvah is not about what Yehoshua did. It's not about history, about getting rid of Avodah We cannot let Eretz Yisrael be in the hands of non-Jews. We have to allow it. We have to take Eretz Yisrael and live in Eretz Yisrael uh, as, as, as much as possible. And, and no matter when we are, even as individuals, we have a chiyuv to go there and establish our control there and live in Eretz Yisrael. And the Ramban goes even further. This is the one who disagrees with the Rambam and says, as Rav Cook points out, that, um, as Rav, Rav, Rav uh, Gorin quotes the Ramban that Rav Cook was mentioning to him, that even the mitzvot that we do here in Chutz Lawrence, based on the Sifrei, a very famous Sifrei, that says, when we're in Chutz Laaretz, as most of us here are, we should keep on doing mitzvahs. Why? Because this way, when we go back there, it's Yisrael, well, the mitzvahs aren't going to be foreign to us. Meaning, even mitzvah Shebeguf, the Ramban says, mitzvahs that have nothing to do with the land, 
mitzvahs like tefillin, like limerah Torah, that have nothing to do in, in mezuzah, the only reason why we keep them in chutz l'aretz, k'day shalot tiyena chadashim, k'shanachzar l'aretz, but everything we do here is like a, a preparatory work for life in Eretz Yisrael. That's the Ramban mentions this in Chumash. So Rav Kook said that the mitzvah of Kibush is really a way to be Makayim all mitzvos because Kulam Nitnubim Yuchad Beretz Yisrael Vehim Uraim Kulam. Really, it's the way you're Makayim Tfilin is mostly in Eretz Yisrael, the way you're Makayim any mitzvah is specifically, and, and I guess Shmira, I don't know if this works with Shmira of Lot, I'll say, but definitely in terms of all the mitzvot, the way you have a complete kiyum of any mitzvah is by doing it in Eretz Yisrael, no matter what it is. And if you do a mitzvah in Eretz Yisrael, then that mitzvah is mo'oret ba'orelyon na'ale yoter me'ashe b'chutz l'aretz. That mitzvah means so much more. This that we are special when we do mitzvot and we change the planet, we, we influence the world when we do mitzvot. It's dependent on the fact that we're doing this living in Eretz Yisrael. That's in fact what God said right before Matan Torah. You know why? Because you, because Kili Kolaaretz, meaning, the other countries, there's other powers that control things. Eretz Yisrael, it's only the Rabboni Sholam. Therefore, Rav Kook said, that's the reason why the Rambam does not count it as one of Taryag mitzvot. Ma'achar shehi kolelet et kola mitzvot. All the mitzvot of the Torah are included in Yishev Eretz Yisrael. The klulabahed. So that that was what Rav Kook said. Zui Eshkafes Maran HaRav Kook Satzal. So Rav Goren said it about Tshuva, something similar to explain the Rambam. And Rav Kook extended or said this was a similar idea that he had about the mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael and how important it is. It's, it's bigger than, a, a, a way it's bigger than a mitzvah, but a, another way of saying it is, it's the Hechsher to be Makayim, all mitzvot, and therefore, it's not connected to one, it's not that specific mitzvah itself. So that is Rav Gorin and Rav Kook talking about mitzvot. I want to share with you another, uh, I think, important shuva from Rav Gorin. And I know Moshe is going to uh, appreciate this shuva. They asked Rav Gorin, and I'm not sure the year they asked him this. Why can't we come up with one nusach that everyone will dab in one nusach, especially we're all in Eretz Yisrael now. In Europe, it was a different country. You had to go through passport control. You had to be able to cross rivers, mountains, oceans to get to. So different nuschos developed. Now that we're in Eretz Yisrael, wouldn't it make sense that we should have one Nusach for everyone? And every Beit Knesset in Eretz Yisrael, this was a question that was asked Rav Gorin. So Rav Gorin took the question seriously. Some of you might be laughing and saying, oh, that, that, that that's crazy. Is it? <laughs> make, it, would make, it would be a different world, right? So... Rav Gorin takes this question seriously. So let me show you what he, what, what he says about it. He said, there are three issues here. One is, what is the text everyone is going to say? What piyutim are we going to say? What are the words that are going to be in this universal siddur? The second question is, how is everyone going to pronounce those words? And the third question, and this I found surprising, Mizug vaharkavat lachalai umanginot. In other words, what is going to be the tunes? What's going to be the, the actual songs and rhythms of the tefillot? So he says, look, let's take a look at the three issues here. The first one is, what's going to be the nusach? 
Now it's going to be very hard to pick one over them all. Who's going to say, let's go with his Nusach? And if we even try to do this, we know we're not going to succeed. Why? How what do you mean can... who's going to say? Everybody's going to say that. That's right. And therefore, no one's going to listen to anyone, right? <laughs> Everyone's going to say, Moshe, their Nusach is the best, right? Which one are we going to turn to? So you could say, why should, maybe we should pick Nusachari. Why? Because we know um, the Hasidim do Nusachari, and there are some Sephardic communities that do something like Nusachari. Uh, maybe that's the one we should go with. Um, he says Nusachari has some, in some ways can be seen as a Yisod, to what we can come up with a universal nusach, but he doesn't think it's going to work because there are many strong differences between the nusachari and other nuschot. And for many people, be halacha to daven with nusachari. Also, he says, the truth is, is that um, we want to do something more than that. This idea that we have Jews from every country coming to Eretz Yisrael, from all the different places. Um, the Yisod of Kibbutz Golius should be a synthesis. We should come up with a synthesis of everything that's here. And that synthesis, this is what Rav Goren felt and also another Rav who was made Aliyah, he was an, he was an, an American Rav, who made Aliyah and had a very, we talked about him in the Shir a number of times, Rav Nochum Eliezer Rabinovich from, from uh, who ended up being in Migdal, um, not Migdal Amik, um, yeah, I think so. I forgot, I forgot where he was. I, I'm, I'm blanking, which is, I know he was. So he also said we should work on coming up with a synthesis of all the nuschos. But once again, it's going to be hard to figure it out. Um, because we know if you go through every nusach, it's based on certain halachot. And one community took one halacha, one community took the other. It's going to be hard to pick and choose because the nusach, the nuschot that developed in each community was based on a psak of one community in a certain area. Um, and we know that a lot of the nuschos, for example, has to do with the difference between the Bet Yosef and the Ramah. Now, are we going to say that we're going to take all, all the Jews in Eretz Yisrael and going to be machriach? Sometimes we're going to go with Bet Yosef, sometimes we're going to go with the Ramah and come up with one Nusach. Probably it's not going to work. But Rav Goren hopes, and he now is going to make a case that you're going to find surprising. He says, I believe there is a Nusach that maybe if we take that as central, it could be the key to creating a Nusach that's Achid. And that's the Nusach surprise of the Gona Vilna, the Vilna Gon's Nusach. Why? Most people think that, right, that the Gon's Nusach is very different than, for example, the Nusach of Yemen, of Teman. But he believes there's enough, Goran believes there's enough similarity for it to be sort of the Briachatichon of all the other Nuschos. Because in many ways, don't get surprised that it's the Vilna Gon and the Purushim of Yerushalayim who are davening that way. It has a lot of similarities to Yemenite Nusach and the Sephardic Nusach. Um, for example, he says to make a whole article about this would be difficult, but he does say, I want to show you certain ways that the Gon's Nusach is similar. One thing the Vilna Gon felt, and maybe this is the way you daven Moshe and others, is that Elokai Nishama and Birchas Hashachar are connected to Asher Yatsar. 
And Birchat Torah is not said then. In other words, if you look at a standard Ashkenaz Siddur, Birchat Torah is with Asher Yotzer together. The Gon didn't feel that way. The Vilna Gon felt that you should say Birchat Torah before you say the Korbanot, which, right, that's, where you're, 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 that's what you're learning about. He says that's exactly the Teiman Nusach and Kiwa Svard. Also, you'll be surprised, according to the Vilna Gon, you make one bracha on tefillin, laniach. You don't make the bracha al mitzvah tefillin. You only make the bracha al mitzvah tefillin if you talk. And that is like the shita of Rashi, and that is the nusach of teiman. And I believe, Moshe, you'll, you'll correct me, but I believe that's the nusach by the Sephardim as well. They make one bracha. They don't, you don't, Correct. You don't make we make only bracha. one bracha. Right. And, uh... If if we talk, then right. you make the second we, And that was the Vilna Gon Shita as well. Another way the Vilna Gon was similar is when you do Kedusha. Okay, maybe you're going to say Nekadesh, get there. The Tzibor does not say all the Kedusha. The, the Shuyach Tzibor says those other words. The Tzibor just says Kadosh, 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 and Baruch Kavod Hashemim Kamo, and the word Shema Yisrael. And that, again, is similar to many of the Sephardic uh, uh, shitot. Also, and you're going to be happy about this, Moshe, um, um, about, because we're coming to Rosh Hashanah very soon, um, the Vilna Gon... You're trying very hard to make me happy tonight. <laughs> but this was what Rav Gorin wanted. He wanted, he said, look at what the Vilna Gon did. See, Gorin was smart. He knew the Vilna Gon, all the Ashkenazim love him, right? And he's like the hero of Eretz Yisrael, though he never made it to Eretz Yisrael. But the Prussian, the Ashkenazim, lived near Yerushalayim, considered themselves extensions of the Vilna Gon. In fact, even for years, the Psakim about what the Kehil and Yerushalayim should do was determined not by the Rav of Yerushalayim, but by the Rabbonim in Vilna, because they were considered the people who continued the approach of the Vilna Gon. That's why Rav Chaim Ozer, uh, Grzynski, who was the Rav in Vilna, would issue psakim for the community of Yerushalayim because they saw him, although the Vilna Gon was not the Rav of Vilna, but they saw him as a Vilna person, as the continuation of the Vilna Gon, whose spirit sort of infiltrated and, and, and hovered over the Bnei Yeretz Yisrael, the Nusach Agro. The, the Gra felt that you should really take all the piyutim and all the, what we put, the yotzrot, things that are in, which, which are very old. They come from the period of the, of, of the early, early Rishonim and from the periods of the Gaonim. And there's a whole interesting history how they became part of davening. But the Vilnagon felt they should be taken out and they should be said after the Chazarat Hashatz. That's when you should say these piyutim. Now, now on, on, on Yomam Noroyim, the Vilna Gon did not push for that. Now, Rav Gorin says, probably because he knew that would never have worked, because it was too much part of, of the care of Ha'ab. But, the, but he did want to make those changes on the other Chagim and Shabbatot. He also, he, he really believed that the Amidah should be an Amidah without Piyutim. And as you know, Moshe, that is exactly the Shita of Teiman and the Sephardic Nuschot. Um, Goren says that you can find many connections between the Vilna Gon's attitude, but you can well, see... You're mentioning Teiman too much. <laughs> I think Rav Gorin knew that, that the Yemenites had a Nusach that was probably less adulterated than the other Nuschot. I think Rav Gorin understood that. And because of that, he, he, he needs to mention that because people say, oh, Yemen, isn't that the real Jews? Those are the ones that weren't influenced. So he, he knows he can't just take, let's take the Nusach of, of, of Teiman, but he wants to show you that the Nusach Hagro is, is very similar. Um, so therefore, um, as we know, 
that the Gon himself was a Makubal. And therefore, you must probably assume that the Gon knew Kabbalah. Don't think, oh, we, if we daven not like the Gon, if we don't, if we daven like the Gon, we're going to lose the Kabbalistic uh, advantage of not saying the words correctly. He said, who is bigger than the Gon in Kabbalah? So this is Rav Gorin's um, raising the flag. First of all, I'd love there to be one Nusach for everyone in Eretz Yisrael, but he's trying to suggest maybe the Nusach of the Grah might be the one to go with, at least to start out with and to build around that Nusach. There's another problem, of course, which is the way people speak. He says, right now, it's very hard to stop it. Why? He says, in, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, when he was writing this, um, many people, when they daven, they daven what they've heard in their parents' home. And even though when they go on the street and when they're going to their jobs, mishtamshim when they speak Hebrew, they speak uh, with us with Avarasfadit, but when they come to Shul, they daven the way their parents did. They won't daven using Havaratzfard. And he says we find this by the Yemenites and people from Western Europe and from America. When they come, they're able eventually to speak Hebrew like an Israeli, but they can't daven like that. But he says that's the situation now. As Eretz Yisroh and he maybe it'll be after his lifetime, and obviously it was. I'm sort of doing it now a little bit myself, just it's gonna have it's gonna change. The new generation. That's what they talk at the house. That's the language they speak growing up. That's what they hear from their parents. Right? It's not, they're not going to take a var that's different what they're learning. If everybody starts, and again, Rav Gorin was a believer in this, that everyone should eventually in the house, in the, in the street, at work, at the Bet Sefer, Everything is going to be Havaras Fadit. So what's going to happen? Maybe there, there's going to be Shinui Benusach And maybe people are going to say, hey, we all talk the same. Let's all have one Nusach that's the same. Why? Because we know that many of the Nuschot are connected the way people spoke. For example, Teman is very connected with the way the Temanim speak. But once that is eliminated, because no one's going to speak like Temanim anymore. So then there's going to be, hey, we all talk the same. Let's have one Nusach. Then he gets to the third problem. The third problem is the songs, the tunes, the nigun, the nu, like the, the tunes. He says, that's a hard one. He says, especially when it comes to Shabbat and Yom Tov. Why? Now, every different part of Yiddishkeit <laughs> has their own Nigunei Achag Shabbat. And the truth is, for many of us, and Goran is very prescient to hear, that it's deep in our hearts. In fact, how do we even think of the holidays? We think of the holidays when we think about the Aspaklarit Manginot Achag. You think about, for an Ashkenazi, the, the Kol Nidre Nusach, right? The Nusach of, of, of that first Tfilat uh, Arvit that we say. I don't want to sing it now, but you know what I mean if you're an Ashkenazi person. When you hear that tune, that's Mogheret et Chaviyat Vavirat Achag HaMiuchedet. That's the experience and the atmosphere, the unique experiential atmosphere of that holiday. And that's when you hear the tune of Yom Menachayim, that's, right, 
when you hear the tune of Akdamus, for, for example, for an Ashkenazi person, I know Moshe, you're a Sephardi, but for uh, Sheila and, and Richard, whoever else is here, so when you hear that Akdamus, Nusach, right? That's the Akdamus Nusach, in case you didn't know. Oh, that's truest to me. So, how can we change? High- Go ahead. You, you can't hear me. It says you can't. I said you're. I said you're hired, Rabbi. Can I'm hired. You do this? I'm, I'm hired. Okay, but but you know what I mean. When I, I just did the Akdamas Nusaf for you, just oh, that's Ruas. I know that. I know that Nigan. You don't know what Akdamas means because it's all in Aramaic and it's hard to say. Oh, but I know the Nigan. Okay. And that's the way we are. That's our memories. Our memories of a holiday are etched based on the tunes that we heard in Shul. So how are we going to change that? So you know what we need? We need to create new tunes. The type of tunes that everybody can get into. And throw out the old ones, he says. <laughs> Which goes against, from Gorin here is going against what so many other poskim, like the Mat Ephraim and others say. That the tunes are holy. I think there's even the Ramos says it that you're not supposed to come and change the tune of, of, of that was that was known. Another thing is, it shouldn't just be the Chazan who's saying it. Moshe, you're happy here now. That it's not just the Chazan. Everyone is involved. Bob Mida. If we can get everybody involved with saying the tefillot together, in that amount, now everyone has a stake in it, and therefore we're going to be able to have one universe or one tefillah that everyone is doing. And he says, I just want to make a point. The way Chazonus is still, it's not so common anymore, but the way Chazonut was understood by the Ashkenazim. It really pushes against the idea of having all the Nuschot uh, turned into one. Why? Because it's all about the chazan. It's all about the singer. It's all about the voice of the chazan who's davening, not the tzibur. Now, Rav Goran, of course, was the Rav Tzavai. Before he became Rav Aroshi, he was the Rav Tzavai of, of, of the army. He says in Tzahal, that we could do it. And therefore he felt that there should not be, when in the army, everyone should dive in the same Nusach. We should have for the soldiers, I don't care that you come from the Sephardim, you're a Ammonite, you're Ashkenazi, the army, there he says we should do it. I'm not sure if it was ever done, but there it's possible uh, to accomplish that. It was done, they have a special Siddur. And all the, and every, and in Sahal, everyone davens the same Nusach, right? Right, so yes. that's, Right. And Rav Goran felt that hopefully could be the way things could be. Um, I mentioned uh, Rava Roshim. This is, these two men became Rava Roshim at the same time in 1973, Rav Goran and Chochem They both also served together as the chief Rabbanim of Tel Aviv. And um, I just, there was a lot of issues they had with each other. Rav Chochamavadia was against Rav Goran's Psak in the Langer case. Uh, I, I'm going to be giving some shurim about that sometime in the future. Uh, and I, I'm sure, you're gonna, I, I hope you're going to find it interesting enough to tune in on that. But but there was sikhsuchim between them. Um, they started off together, but um, Chochamavadia was not happy with a lot of the politics Rav Goran was playing. And the truth is, is that the Haredi uh, Kehilot really thought that Chochem Avadia was their savior. They, they were unhappy with Rav Goran as the chief rabbi in many ways. 
And they felt that Chacham Avadia was someone who could stand against Rav Goren and, and was so necessary to be there. In fact, Rebel Yashiv and others uh, came to Chacham Avadia and pushed him. I have to tell you, I think Chacham Avadia wanted to be the chief rabbi anyway. But he actually came to Yerushalayim and Rav Jolti and Chacham Avadia, Rav Yashiv and others spoke to him in 1972 to push himself to become chief rabbi against Rav Nisim. You know, Rav Nisim wanted to go for a second term. Rav Yitzhak Nisim wanted to be the chief rabbi again. Um, and they felt that Rav Nisim would not be able to counter Gorin. Because Gorin, they knew... I hope you're finding this interesting. Basically, there was... They wanted a second term. Rav Unterman and Rav Gorin... Rav Unterman and Rav Nisim wanted a second term. The way it is, is you're chief rabbi for 10 years. And um, they felt that, well, why can't we go for another 10 years? So Rav Unterman was very loved by the, the Rabbonim and Yerushalayim. And they felt he was a great example. Now, he wasn't the God of Ador. But he was very close with all the other Rabbonim and and, 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 and others. Whereas Rav Gorin they were suspicious about Rav Gorin. And we'll talk about that at a different time. But they felt that Chacham Avadia would, would, would be the, would, would put a control on Rav Gorin. And therefore, they pushed him. And Chacham Avadia, of course, uh, did an incredible job and really changed, in a way, the whole situation. Um, so, their relationship was not always so sweet. However, I want to show you from this letter from 1982, which was at the end of the period where they had, they had, had their issues. And, and, and Rav Chochem Avadia had been vocal in his criticism of Rav Gorin. But look what he writes to him. Liyididi Beit Yisrael, Liyidid Beit Yisrael, Liyidid Nafshi, Rabadameh, this great leader of our nation, Medabrno de Umte, that's the leader. Rabbi the mean the great one in our nation, a leader of our nation, Hagona Muvak. This this unquestionable genius, this unquestionable Kol Rozo Onisle. There was nothing, no nothing that he did not know. Amiti Verei. He is my he, I work with him together and he's my friend. But also my Arava Roshili Israel. So that's I just want to show you that at least on paper, Rav Goran understood how great Chacham Avadi was, and he wrote to him uh, in such a way. Be politician. <laughs> All right, but you know what? <laughs> at least in those days, they knew how to compliment each other. Today, you know, today you, you, they might have disliked each other personally, but you can see at least openly in the letter. Now, he actually writes to him. He says, You gave me a shayakar mi pnimin. You gave me this present, which is more precious than jewels. Shehinikli et this important book, it's called Yechaveh Dat. Now, I mentioned the other night, Chokhmah Vadya's major sefer, which was what? The Abiyah Omer. That was the sefer that, that even Rabbi Yoshev was, was shocked by how incredibly uh, extensive it was. I told you it won the, the, the Israel Prize. But then there was another sefer, it's called Yechaveh Dat, which is an easier safer to have. It's six volumes. And that, of course, Chacham Avadia, and it was edited by his son, the great Ili as well, Rav David Yosef. And uh, as, as, as Rav Goran says, It's really sort of the best of one of, of your precious words, and your psakim are true. 
Shemidei Shvua B'Shvua, that every week, Everyone hears your voice every week. Now this, of course, was the radio program that Chochem Avadik had on Motzei Shabbat, where, or maybe it was Erev Shabbat, I'm not sure, but it was, I think, either Motzei Shabbat or Erev Shabbat, where Chochem Avadik would deal with Shalot. It and, was Motzei Shabbat in Bet Knesset Yazdim. Yeah, right. And from those, from those Psakim, they made a safer out of it. He says, what he said, Midei karibo matzativ mole v'godosh chidushim niflayim mekorot n'lamim. Beautiful chidushim and sources that have been hidden from people. Hamushubotzim b'kvot rosa rav umyusodim l'anepaz chotzum meri kodesh. The poskim d'achronim. Everything you know. Now, I just want to point out, besides all Moshe's, you know, poo-pooing this as just politics, there is an interesting point that he makes here at the end here that I thought was interesting. Chokom Avadya in Simon Gimel speaks about the difference between uh, the, uh, we talk about the different shitot in how to write the parshiot of Tfilin, uh how to write them. And whether the parsha Bahoyim Shemoa, when you write it in Tfilin, do you write it as a parsha ptucha or stuma, meaning is vahoy now you know, let me give you some background. If you take out a sidur, vahoyim shemoa is a is a parsha that is a parsha stuma. It doesn't begin the paragraph. It's in the middle of the section. Take out a chumash, take out a koran chumash or anything, you'll see the way Vahoyim Shemoa is is now, but how do you write it in your tefillin? Do you write it in the beginning of the line? Or do you write it the way you write it in a Sefer Torah, where it's compressed? Now, again, I don't have to be masbri here what a Parsha Stum is, but I'll show you a little bit. For example, you would have like a break here, and then you would start like, and in, in the old Chumashim, you would see a Samach. And after the Samach, then you would see the beginning of the, of, of the phrase. That's a Parsha Stuma. A Parsha Ptucha is, that the the line ends like this, and then the new thing starts here. So the question is, when they would write, we know that in Tefillin, the Tefillin Shoyad, it has the Parshiot all in one bayit, right? All on one cloth. Uh, and how do you write Fahoyim Shemoa? Do you write it Stuma or Ptucha? So, we know that this is a machloket, right? Between the Machaber and the Ramah, between the Minaxfard and Ashkenaz. There's also a machloket, how you draw, how does the letter Tzadi look, and how does the letter Shin look? So, Chocham Avadya, Kol Roz That's true. But in this case, Gorin wanted to show him up a little bit. He says, I actually wrote a, 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 a mimer about this based on what was discovered in the dead, in the dead, in the Midbar Yehuda. The tefillin that they found in the dead, with, as part of the Dead Sea Scrolls and other excavations, as you know, they found tefillin there as well. And he says, if you take a look at the tefillin that they found in those, uh, Dr. Kogan, I hope you're appreciating this is really up your alley. The tefillin that they found in the uh, in, in the Qumran caves and other places in Midbar Yehuda, it shows that the Rambam is right in terms of the Psuchot and Stumot. And it shows the Ramah is right about the tefillin that you should write Vahoya im Shamoa, not the way it appears in the Torah, but you should write it as a parsha ptucha. Um, also, the Ramah, interestingly, the Ramah, the Ashkenazi, <laughs> uh, has a Havamina, based on the way he's learning the Gemara, that when they would write the parshiot of Tfilin, they wouldn't write them, like, for example, how does the cloth look? It doesn't go like one zoo, eight, so zoo, but 
but it's like it's it, it, it's it's not like a square or going this way, right? Like so I'm doing now with the cursor, but be, it goes one parsha below the other, zoomitachazu, and that is the way the parshios were found in um, in, in in those excavations, one below the other. Not the way we do it, which is one on the side of the other. Um, he says, if you look at the parshios that are found in, I don't know where this is, it's called Vadi Murvat, Murbat, the Wadi Murbat. Wadi, of course, is, a, is, is, is an Arab term for a little river, a little rivulet is called a Wadi, but they found tefillin there, and the tefillin there, um, are found like we do it. But the tefillin that are found in, 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 the, in the Midbar Yehuda are actually not, they're actually one on top of the other, which the Ramah does suggest as a possibility. Um, what about the way that Sin and the, the Tzadi and the Shin were written? So he says, if you look there, in Midbar Yehuda, the, uh, it's, it's, it's like the Bet Yosef. Not like the Arizal. If you take a look at the way that Tzadi was written, the Tzadi is written exactly the way the Bet Yosef says it should be written, which is the Minig Ashkenaz, not the way the Hasidim do it. Now, Chocham will say, okay, good, interesting, excavations. So now Goran says, We discovered it. So Rav Goren seems to imply that even though we are learning Shulchan Aruch, where we did the Rishonim, if we discover something from our excavations, maybe that should change our halacha as well. So I think that's a very interesting difference between Chocham Avadia and Rav Goren, as you can see right there. Um, This is a tshuva. Um, what does Rav Goren think about but they safer alitistim, elitist types of schools, selectivium that you can't get in? All right. Maybe what we need to do is lechafot integratia al tzibra we have to dismantle these elitist schools. They only take the best students. And we need to have integrated schools. Right? Um, and this was the question. So here he goes. They asked Rav Gorin, what did he believe about these elitist schools? And he mentions one of them, the Beit HaSefer Noam, um, or other Ulfanot. Right? Shouldn't there be one school where everybody's there? Why should there be schools that are public schools in Israel that only take the best students and that you can't get into? Now, there are public schools like this in the United States as well, right? Um, one of them, if you're a New Yorker, you've heard of them Bronx Science. You've heard of the Bronx Science School in, 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 in right. New York. Stuyvesant. Stuyvesant. Those are public schools, but you can't, but they're very selective who they take. So in one, in, if you, it's one thing you have a private school, but here you have schools that are part of the government and yet a kid can't get into them. What does Rav Goren think about that? So he says, there's two marachos b'chinach yehudi. One is that, what does Torah mean? What does it mean to teach Torah? One mitzvah of Torah is a mitzvah that the father has. And what does that mean? means You should be the teacher, like Rashi says. The father needs to be the teacher for his child. 
And that's what it says in the Sifrei. Hatinok maschel edaber, who starts teaching him? The father. Loshon HaKodesh, Torah. And that's what the Mishzvah in Kedushin says. The father's chayiv to, to give a bris to his child, to be pot his child, to teach him Torah. It's the father. As the Gemara says, So the Gemara speaks about uh, a grandfather who taught Torah. Because uh, I guess the father wasn't able to. That was Vulan ben Dan. That his grandfather taught him. Mikra, Mishnah, Talmud, Allah, So the Gemara says, there's another bright that says, if you learn Mikra, right, you don't have to teach Mishnah. So Rava says, you're right. You're right. Zvulun ben Don did more than he had to do. Really, a father and a grandfather basically teach them the, the basics of Torah. But Torah Shabal Peh, perhaps you don't. Now, besides this mitzvah, whether it's a mitzvah on grandfathers or not, there's another mitzvah besides a father's mitzvah. There's a mitzvah, and the mitzvah of the father really is essentially Torah Shabiksav, to be a Boki in Tanakh. There's another mitzvah, and including that, I'm going to say also how to read the Torah, perhaps. There's another mitzvah, which is every person, whether you have a child or not, to teach people Torah, because they're also your children. As we know, Banecha are Talmidim. And that's the way it is. I'm not saying that you're my children, but in a way, yeah, you're coming here to study, and I view all of you in a way as people that I learn with. I don't say I'm a great Rebbe, but I'm saying we have to treat you like that, that it's just as important to teach my child this is part of Claudius, so the people need to learn Torah. And that's a mitzvah that's a mitzvah on, on a teacher to teach Torah. And as the Shulchan Aruch says, you have to teach everyone. Now, obviously in this second mitzvah, um, you, your child shouldn't suffer because of you. <laughs> you should teach your child before you teach others. And that's right. Now, this is a mitzvah that includes Torah Shabal obviously, not just Torah Shabal And in fact, the uh, the Vilna Gon uh, quotes the Gemara that says, "If you don't teach people halachot, <laughs> even the unborn children that Donald Trump was talking about uh, in his acceptance speech that he's very concerned about, but even the urban shebemeimo are are makalel." The person who doesn't teach Torah, he could teach Torah Shabbat. Why aren't you teaching? Um, now, Rav Goran goes on to say, if a person he should give other people that Torah as well. Why? First of all, you're going to get greater if you teach. And don't think that by spending your time teaching others, you're going to take away from yourself. We have a haftacha from the Rabboni Shalom that if you teach Torah, you're going to get more Torah. Now, in fact, Chazal say, the Pasuk says, Ki tera aru muksiso, when you see someone who who's not, doesn't have clothes, give him clothes. What does that mean? If you see a person that doesn't have divrei Torah, he's like naked. So bring him to your house, because maybe he was turned off from school. Bring him to your house and teach him kriyashma tefillah, teach him a pasik, teach him a halacha, give him a zeros and mitzvos. And you can see Rav Goran always likes quoting the Arach HaShulchan, as he quoted last night about Shabbat, that if you're a godel b'Torah, of course you have a chiv to be maz b'Torah to everyone. And that has nothing to do with the chiyav of a father. Now, Rav Gora now says the following. The mitzvah 
of teaching students. You have to teach students. And you have to teach them even individually. Clearly, you have, a, 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 you have the right to choose who you want to teach. Why? Because, right? You have a right to say, I can get along with this type of student. Because what's the mitzvah? Shinantam levanecha, your talmidim. And if you have a Talmud that doesn't, you don't have chemistry with, but you don't feel, can understand what you mean, it, it, that doesn't count. And you don't have to take that person as a student. Even the other mitzvah, the mitzvah of teaching your child Torah, you could also be selective. We know, based on the Gemara and Kedushan, the Rambam Paskins, let's say you want to learn Torah and you have a son who wants to learn Torah. You come before your son. But if your son happens to be bright and he can understand things more than you, then your son should be the one you pay for to learn Torah. As the Rambam says. Now even though you're sending your son and spending the money on your son to have a teacher, still, you still need to learn as well. So you see from there that it depends who's good. Torah's got to be taught. But you can't say, hey, I want Torah. No. Your son is, it will be better. Your son will be more successful. Your chiyuv now transfers to your son more than it would be for yourself. So you see, so being good at something, having quality, and even though it means you don't learn as well, because you're not going to get that Rebbe. The Rebbe who really knows how to teach and really give over is going to teach your son who's better. Now, if you're better, you're going to get that. So you see, quality, Rev Gorin says, is a factor. It doesn't sound nice, but it is a factor when push comes to shove. Now, that is about the, the mitzvahs that individuals have of teaching Torah. Now Rav Gorin is machadish, another area. He says there's another area of teaching. And that is a national level of teaching. Mamlachtit, klau Yisraelit, teaching on a national level that everyone needs to learn. Now, what is that? Where does that come from? L'chora, it doesn't seem to be mu'genet, b'mitzvah Torah. Where does it mean that, that like, like Rav Steinsaltz, who was just nifter, they said, you know, his English phrase was, let my people know, right? Teach everyone. Everyone needs to learn. And we have to make sure everybody in Klai Yisrael is learning. Where does that come from? L'chora, it doesn't come from the, the Torah itself. It comes from a takana of Chachme Yisrael in the Sanhedrin, made by Yisheni. Um, they made Xerah. Can you understand it from Paul Rabin, Zebazah? She was asking that we're responsible for everyone. But, but Sheila, yes, you need to care for another person's mitzvah. A person asks you Torah, but if you have limited time, and, and the question is, who's going to be my students? Do you have a right to be selective and say you, but not you? You're smarter. I can no, teach. I, I, understand. I understand about the... So, but, but the idea that everyone deserves an education and that there should be taxes given by every Israeli to provide a Torah education for every Jew in Israel, where did that come from? It's not the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. So Rav Gorin says, he believes it, it's a based on a Gemara, the, the Takana of the Sanhedrin, that they made a Takana. And he believes that they made a Takana, that there should be national learning. Now, um, eventually, he says, it might have started in the beginning of Bayesheni. Eventually, it was the Chachmei Mishnah. 
um, because they talk about the Takon of Yeshua ben Gamla, that you have to send every kid to school. And that, of course, is a Takana that was made that every child should be able to go to a school. But it's not from the Torah itself. Now, let's take a look at the Gemara that mentions this. Zohar Osa Yeshua Tov Yeshua ben Gamla Shmo. Yeshua ben Gamla. Shemolehu, we wouldn't have Torah. Because it used to be, if you had a good father, he could teach you. If you never didn't have a father, you didn't learn. Okay? So they made a takana that was that was an extra din that did not exist up until that time. That there should be malam de tinokos be Yerushalayim. The first schools were in Yerushalayim. And that they were there getting paid from some, or maybe Skar Batala or somehow, and they were there to teach. Why was it in Yerushalayim? Because the Pasuk says, Ki mitzion, Torah. So, but you needed to get to Yerushalayim. So you had a father who took you. You didn't have a father, you couldn't go. So then they made a new Takana. The new Takana was every medium-sized city. And there, they figured, you know who we're going to bring in? The 15, the 16-year-olds. But the problem was, they were too old already. And if somebody, those of you that still have teenagers or remember your teenage child, no. The 16-year-old would go in and say, I don't like this guy. And then he'd say, you're giving it to me? I'm giving it back to you. So Yeshua ben Gamla said, we need schools for small children, starting them young in every city when they're six or seven. So you see, that first, as Rav Gorin says, it was near Shalayim. And there wasn't an age, right? But it was probably a young child, as we say, Why did they want that? Because we wanted Yerushalayim to be the center. We knew that the Sanhedrin was in Yerushalayim, where the Beis Hamikdash was. So the Sanhedrin wanted people to know that this is the Merkaz of Torah in the world. So therefore, uh, it probably started, Goran says, in the beginning of Bayesheni. And that's when you had uh, the Knesset Agdola uh, in Chinuch. That's when the, they decided to come up with the Nusach of Davening, that there should be, people should speak the language. Remember? Uh, they saw, as the Rambam says, nobody was able to speak Lashon Kodesh properly anymore, so they wanted there to be a Nusach of a Siddur, and this way everybody would, as Rav Gorin says, uh, to speak uh, properly, and this also would strengthen, as the Rambam says, uh, people's ability to speak the Lashon. Because when the, when the Anshin HaSagdola gave their Takana, people were, were speaking a mixture of all different types of languages together, and they weren't able to set out their tefillah in what was considered a, a proper language. Um, and therefore, the same way they wanted people to daven properly, they wanted people um, right, uh, to, uh, to have the proper chinuch. To, to daven properly, and therefore he says, this is the idea of chinuch mamlachtit, public schools, for everyone. According to this, Gorin says, The same way, the, as the Rambam says, they came up with a siddur for everyone, and this way, everybody would be able to read it and have the, the proper way to daven and to have the proper language. Rav Goren theorizes that the first idea of chinuch was also universal. Because by everybody being part of it, just like in davening, as the Rambam says, everybody would be the same. That everybody would eventually be able to speak like Lawrence Olivier, right, English. 
The same thing would be true in davening. Rav Gorin theorizes the Gemara Baba Basra means the same thing about about learning. And therefore, even though you're going to say the bright people would suffer, well, they could always learn from their fathers, so who knows? Maybe they'll find someone else. But the idea of public schooling, public funded schooling. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.